text. So notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. And in this passage, we, this is another example of a passage that makes me think Hebrews was written by Paul because it uses kind of another sports analogy. And it uses running as an analogy. And it's trying to get these people to make sure that they stay on their game as Christians, that they stay the course, they stay on the right path, that they finish their course. And they're saying, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you're going to stay on your game as a Christian, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. But what, what causes us to get our eyes off Jesus? What causes us to get off of our game? Okay, so I, don't, I know not everybody in here is probably into running. But at the same time, uh, if you are a runner, one of the biggest things that can hinder you is unnecessary weight that you're carrying around. I mean, I would challenge you to just go buy some ankle weights sometimes and then go run a mile and then go take those ankle weights off. I'm talking just five pounds each on each foot. You drop those things off, you run that next mile, you're going to feel like you're flying just from dropping 10 pounds. And so, say, and so if, you're going to, if you're going to be a runner and if you're going to run long distance, if you're going to run high speeds, you don't need to be carrying any extra unnecessary weight. And as Christians, if we are going to go the distance in this thing, if we're going to run the best possible race, we cannot be carrying unnecessary weights and burdens now we've we're all going to have weights and burdens that we're going to have to carry and some are some things are worth it okay if you have children you know you're carrying around some burdens but you know what they're worth it but they're definitely some weights they're they definitely can make things difficult and challenging in some areas and they're worth it and they are they are a necessary weight but understand, there are some unnecessary weights. There are some things that people are carrying around, things that are getting them off their game as a Christian, and we don't need those things. And so what I want to do in this message today is I would like to just drop, I want to help everybody drop 100 pounds of unnecessary weight. I mean, how, how would you like to lose 100 pounds today? I'm talking spiritually. Lose 100 pounds, and specifically of weight that is, that is messing you up in your Christian life. That's getting you off your game as a Christian that's negatively affecting your race. Your race that you're running, it's, it's being negatively affected by unnecessary weight. And let me tell you something. You know, this, this message has been a long time coming. This one's been building up for 23 years. All right? I've been in the ministry now for 23 years. I, and, you know, and I grew up in a ministry home. I grew up in a pastor's home. And, you know, and when, you are, when, you, when you're in leadership... You know, one of the things that you have to do a lot is put out fires, try to stop drama, just, you know, trying to be a peacemaker, trying to help people reconcile things. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not exaggerating if I said probably one of the number one things that gets good Christians off their game as a productive member in a church, as a good Christian, and that is carrying the weight of other people's personal problems. I think that's one of the biggest things. Carrying the weight of other people's personal problems. And it is, it's actually a very rare thing that a church has a split over an actual moral problem that was not dealt with. 
In fact, most churches, when they do have church splits after a moral problem, it's usually because the church did deal with it and people got offended. That, that happens a lot. But, you know, most church splits usually happen as a result of just something really stupid. People getting bent out of shape over just something really dumb, typically, that was just not even any of their business. And I'm telling you, I think you go talk to a lot of pastors and they back me up on this, that most of the fires that they put out, most of the foolishness, most of the drama that they deal with, is just over really dumb stuff. You know, not serious things. Not the things they prepare you for in Bible college. You know, not, 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 not the big things. No, I'm talking about the little things. That, you know, uh, you know, Johnny pulled Susie's hair in the church. And, you know, and now we're thinking about filing a police report. And, you know, it's just like, you know... You know, and, and maybe we need to have a message one day about, you know, dealing with, you know, helping you as parents deal with your kids' personal problems, too. And, boy, you want to talk about some things I've learned from experience, too. So I used to teach in a Christian school. And, you know, and kids, kids are kids. They have issues. And parents, man, when they get involved in those things, you want to talk about a joke. It, it gets bad. I learned a few things about that. But that, that's a sermon for another day. But uh, other people's problems are one of the easiest things that people just get caught up in, involved in, and bent out of shape over. And these things just aren't even your problem. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9, it says, But as touching brotherly love, you have no need that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. you know, we're supposed to be increasing in love for each other. And I don't think it's a coincidence that right after he tells me to be increasing in love towards each other, one of the things he said you need to do, study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands. You've got work to do. You've got a race to run. And you need to make sure you stay focused on that and don't get caught up. In foolishness, it says that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. And so while we do have a responsibility to love, to forbear, you know what we have not been commanded to do? And that's pick each other's problems apart. We've not been commanded to do that. In fact, we've been told not to do that. Luke 6, 41 says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? When thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Now, and here's the thing, too, most self-proclaimed experts on whatever area of life, you know, they're usually not capable of waiting for someone to come to them to get help with their problems. Okay? And we do, we all have areas where we're like, man, I've got this figured out. Okay, you know, some of you, you know, you do, you know the secrets to child rearing and you're just chomping at the bits that tell me how to deal with Hannah. Uh, you know, you're, you know, some of you all, you know, you are, uh, you are experts when it comes to the dietary things and, you know, you're ready to solve everyone's health problems in the church. Uh, but, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, just stay out of it. Okay. You know, hopefully you're not walking around during fellowship. It's like, you know, one of the reasons you're having these problems you know, you go up to some teenagers, you know, one of the reasons you've got zits is all that fried chicken. You see how greasy that is? You know, nobody asked you to do that. Now, if, listen, if some teenager comes to you and says, listen, I don't have a major problem with zits. You know, what should I do about it? You know, then by all means, you know, unload your wealth of knowledge. 
to them. You know, but until then, you know what you get to do? You get to wait for somebody to come ask you. And guess what? Nobody's probably going to ask. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, most people are for years going to go to church with you and never tap into the vast wealth of knowledge that you possess. I don't, I don't you know. Hey, how do you think I feel as the pastor, man? I mean, I'm the pastor, right? So I'm the, I'm the guy that studies the Bible. It's got the experience in all these things. I mean, I'm sitting around all week, you know, just ready to just pour out these treasures and blessings and, you know, people aren't asking. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know, please do not, you know, you know, come crowd me tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, you all understand how it is. We do, we all have areas where we feel like we've got life figured out and we're ready to straighten everybody out on it. And the truth is, you know, nobody's going to come and churches are full of these, are, are full of people these days. They're just, Busting at the seams, waiting for that opportunity to enlighten some poor, ignorant individual in the church with their vast wealth of knowledge. And so, but you know, let me just tell you this. Did you know when it comes to a lot of things, most of us know exactly what we're supposed to do in life. It's just really hard to do the right thing. Most of us know what we need to do on our diet. It's just really hard when you live in a world with Dairy Queen. You know, it's in Coca-Cola. You know, the, the, these are hard. We all know. We all know we don't need you to tell us. We don't need you to judge. We know it's just hard to do it. When it comes to everything, when it comes to having a good marriage, yes, everybody knows, you know, wives submit. Husbands love your wives. But everybody knows that, but it's hard to do that sometimes. So again, you know, what is your just, you know, it's you know, like when somebody falls down, you know, you just say something like, I'll bet that hurt, you know. You didn't help anything with that. You know, you don't, we don't need to point these things out. You know, sometimes, you know, when somebody falls down, you know, or somebody trips or does something stupid, you know, just it's best to act like you didn't see it. You know, that's, that's what we should do. You know, that's, you know, just, you just make it worse when you bring attention to the problem. People know what to do. They just have a hard time doing it sometimes. We all know exactly what will make everyone else's kids perfect. I, you know, we could all straighten out everybody else's kids. We could all straighten out everyone else's wives. You know, we could all do that so easy. And, you know, but church members need to come to grips with the fact that other church members are going to have legitimate problems. Okay? Some of you, you might have done a pretty good job of convincing people you don't have any problems. But some of us know better. We, get, we understand everybody has problems. And, you know, we all want to help people with their problems when they ask, but sometimes we need to understand we're not in any position to help and we're actually just interfering and we'll probably make things worse. That's, that's the reality of it. And so this problem of getting in other people's business typically manifests itself in very specific ways and in specific areas, especially in the IFB world, I think, because we do attract a certain type of people you know, that, you know, because of the fact, because we're so hardcore on certain things, it often causes us to attract people who have major issues in that area. And a lot, when you have major issues in an area, it's real easy to think, all right, so what I need is the most extreme version of something. And so that will fix me. And since in the IFB, we're typically the most extreme on everything, you know, we often attract the people with some of the biggest problems. But let me, let me help you understand, though, too, how to separate the truly hardcore Christian. Some people are. They're just trying to be that hardcore Christian when, frankly, they're just super carnal. 
but they want to be that hardcore Christian. And let me tell you how you can separate the hardcore Christian from just the crazies. Okay? And, that, and first of all, those who are sincere, they don't have any problems staying in their lane. While the crazy, they don't know how to stay in their lane because they have no ability to regulate anything because they're not sincere. They just know I'm supposed to be zealously against something and they tend to lash out at people who aren't doing things that they, the way that they think they should be done. And they're bothered by it because it causes them confusion. Have you ever wondered why it is that in a lot of your hardcore, hard-preaching IFB churches, you have bigger problems than some of your more watered-down ones where they've got families that have their act together and everything? Have you ever wondered why that is? Because I'm telling you right now, the solution, it's not just going to the extreme on everything. You've got to have some balance in your life. And sometimes, you know, you've got people that are in kind of a more watered-down church, but they're also, they're real. You know, they're, they're sincere. And so they tend to just get a lot of these things right naturally. Where in the IFB world, we get a lot of people that are just kind of putting, putting on a show. They're making an attempt. They've not really changed anything in their heart. And so when you have that person who can't regulate themselves and they just kind of go to extreme on everything... So they do that and they get that way because they're actually, they get confused by a lot of things they see. And, and here's why, because, and I think the best way to explain it is this way, the man of conviction, there's a difference between a man of conviction and a man of convenience. The man of conviction, he doesn't need a multitude to follow. The man of conviction, he knows not to follow a multitude to do evil. The man of conviction is that way because he walks with God. Where the man of convenience, he needs things to be easy and he can't handle any type of influence to do something differently. He can't go to a church where there's somebody in that church that's not as hardcore as he is on something. Because he's not walking with God. Because he has no, he has no sincere core beliefs. And if he's around anyone that is slightly different, it messes with his world. And we've had the people that have called here before that are wondering where we are on certain things that are like usually the single issue type people. I've talked about before the people that came here and, you know, and they found out about us because of another association of churches, but they wanted to know what was going on because we didn't have anything on our website about birth control. And it was just like, you know, I never even thought to put anything about that, you know, because I can't really see anything in the Bible on it. And I told them, and I said, don't go to the Onan story. And they're like, oh, well, I actually think that's legit. And I was like, no, I explained that. I said, that doesn't prove anything. And, I, and listen, I'm not going to get on the birth control subject. I obviously have my beliefs on it, but there's just not a lot in the Bible about it. So I don't need to put anything on the website. But they wanted to make sure that, you know, if they came to our church, that we weren't going to let any women come to the church that are on the pill or have been sterilized. And I just, yeah, I thought, freak, weirdo. Like, ladies, have we ever checked your medicine cabinets? You know, and we never will. I mean, I like you. I am not going to go ask the ladies in the church what they're doing with that stuff or what they've done. Are you crazy? Listen, if you are so convinced that that's wrong, then just don't do it. There's only one woman I ever have to worry about getting pregnant. It's my wife, and it's and anybody else that that is not my place. And obviously, you, if you want to know what I think, if you want to know what my thoughts are on it, I'm always glad to give it to you. But at the end of the day, you know, that's just, it's not my place. And I just thought, man, these people are weirdos. I hope they never come visit our church. And I don't think they did. 
Uh, but, you know, we just we weren't hardcore enough for them. But you know what? Let me tell you, freaks like that, their marriage probably won't even survive. You know, their, their kids are probably all going to grow up hating them, and, and all their daughters are probably going to take the pill when they get old enough, <laughs> maybe even get an abortion. I don't know. That's what happens with people like that. that you, you can't be insane like that. I thought that was so weird. But these people, they wanted to go to church where everyone thinks exactly like them. Sorry, that's not the way it works in real life. There are some things that are none of your business. The man of conviction, he, is, he, is, uh, he, he knows what God wants, and he's confident enough to do those things alone, where the man of convenience needs everyone doing things identically so they know what they need to do. They're the ones that want to join the cult. They're the ones that want that church that just forces everything on everybody because, again, they don't know how to think on their own. They're afraid to do anything themselves. They have no convictions. But the man of conviction is also a man of faith and knows that no matter what, in the end, God's going to work all things out for good. And in the end, we will all know who's right. So again, if if there's something going on and in my family, I'm right. In Brother Daniel's family, he's wrong, but it's not my place. If in the end, I understand that if I'm right, God will reveal that in time. We talked about this verse a couple weeks ago or last week maybe. In Psalms 37, 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. We don't need to fret ourselves because of evildoers. Hey, if, you're, if, if somebody else is wrong, everyone will know it eventually. And if you're right, everyone will know it eventually. I need him to know it now. Yeah, because you have a pride problem. Get over that. That's a sin too. That's, that's, a sin, that's a sin problem too. Get over it. And so that man of convenience, he has no faith. He can't handle living in a world where someone might think he's wrong. And I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I grew up, you know, one of the things that my dad used to talk about, one of the things my uncle used to talk about, you know, they, they took strong stands on things and people were, you know, they got a lot of criticism for it. And you know what they used to always tell people? Come talk to me in 10 years. Come see my family in 10 years. And let me tell you something. You know, they've, they've proven themselves at this point. This is like 20 years since I heard them saying a lot of stuff. 30 years since I heard them saying a lot of this stuff. And you know what? They were right. They were right when it came to these things. And I'm telling you, when it comes to families that are doing things right, there's a lot of people out there who don't have families. There's a lot of people or their families are just getting started that they have mastered the art of running the mouth and acting hardcore. I mean, I've got people that are critical of how I am with my wife who have had their wives divorce them. Think about that. Well, I mean, imagine your wife leaves you and then you go criticize how someone else handles their wife. That's super weird. That, that, that is super weird. But yet... You know, that's where we are in 2023. And it's like, I've already been proven to be right. You know, I've already, I've already been pro- proven, you know, myself in these things. And, but yes, people will still run their mouth. But, you know, because truth is loudly proclaimed in IFB churches, we often attract desperate people who are in desperate need of major help. And, but often, you know, they fail to have the humility to let people know they need help. And instead, they come into churches, they pretend everything's good in their life. And that's a big mistake. Now, I'm not telling you to just come into church and air out all your dirty laundry. You know, please don't do that. You know, if you had a knockdown drag out with your wife on the way to church, 
You're not being a hypocrite if you still come into church, you know, and you guys stop you know, swinging at each other, you know, long enough to get through the service. But, you know, at the same time, too, don't tell us about it. All right. We don't we don't need to know about it. Uh, it's it's not it's none of our business. But I would I'd rather have a bunch of people with serious issues come here who understand that they need help and will humble themselves and admit it than have a bunch of people who talk and act like they agree with everything we say but are fake. I've seen enough of that. I'm not interested in that. In churches like ours, we're always going to have these people come our way and I don't believe we should run them off. People come here, they're having problems, they're going through difficulties, they're going through challenges, they've got issues, they've got problems, they've got sin. We don't need to run them off. I, I believe we need to make sure all of us set an example, but also that we all stay in our lane and do what we are supposed to do. Set an example by doing what we're supposed to do in our own life and worry about what you're supposed to do. And, and those people, they will figure out what they need to do to straighten out. We don't need to try to fix them. So in the Bible, when we look at examples of people not minding their own business, we're going to notice that the, the reasons that they got sidetracked are, interestingly enough, the exact same reasons people get sidetracked in churches today. I'm going to, we're going to look at several examples of people not minding their own business, and we're going to look at why. And I'm telling you, that is why people have problems in churches today. So, and, I, and I get it. There are sins that, as a church, we've been commanded to deal with. There are things that aren't supposed to be once named among us. But did you know those aren't typically the things people make a big stink about? It really isn't. And so... Uh, let's look at why we do these things. Because I said I think we all have enough burdens to carry. And do you really want to add your load? I mean, how many think you could run a race better if you carried, you know, a, a, wore one of those 40-pound vests? No, nobody can run better doing that. And so you're not going to run better as a Christian carrying weight that God never asked you to carry. And so why do we get in other people's business? We'll turn over to John chapter 21. And verse 20, this is after Jesus has just told, basically prophesied to Peter that he was going to die for his faith. And, you know, that probably wasn't pleasant for Peter to hear. What? I'm going to, I'm going to be taken where I don't want to be taken and basically signifying what kind of death he's going to die. I'm going to die for my faith. And then he says in verse 20, then Peter turning about, see the disciple whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? I mean, I'm going to die? And his first thought is, what's going to happen to John? He better die worse than me. I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking. But it's like, really? I got to go through something difficult? He, and you know what? This is the funny thing about it. John lived the longest out of any of the disciples. He was the last one, according to history, to, uh, to die. He lived, uh, he lived a very long life. But Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went the saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And then John here, he's the one writing it. He's like, you know, Jesus didn't say I was never going to die. But he was just telling Peter, Mind your own business. Follow me. That's basically what Jesus was telling Peter. This didn't matter. But you know what? Peter, for whatever reason... When Jesus tells him what's going to happen with him, what was his business, what mattered to him, Peter immediately shifts his focus over to John. And Jesus just said, that's not your problem. 
You know, what is that to thee? Why are you worried about that? Why are you asking me about that? This isn't about you. But one of the reasons I think that people often get in other people's business is because we are not content or we are not satisfied with our own business. That's why. That, you know, things aren't going the way we think they should in our life. Well, I think my marriage should be going better. So what do we do? We have a problem with people whose marriages are going better than ours. You know, we have, you know, something is not going, you know, maybe you're not making as much money as you think that you should. So all of a sudden you get worried about what everybody else is doing. I'll bet they're probably not tithing. I'll bet they're probably ripping people off. I'll bet they're probably doing something illegal. You know, we're always coming up with, you know, we're always just worried about what everybody else is doing. You know what you need to do? You just need to focus on yourself. You need to focus on your problems and your issues and figure out what you need to do. What other people are doing does not matter. You know how many people today, one of the reasons that they are uncontent with their life, dissatisfied with their life is because they're on social media all the time, constantly comparing themselves with everybody else. Look how happy they look in that picture. Look at where they went on vacation. Hey, there's always somebody going on vacation. All right. You understand that? There's always somebody going on vacation. Even if you get one vacation a year, the rest of the year, somebody else is going to be on vacation while you're busy working. And, you know, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to keep track to see if they got a week and, you know, you only got, you know, five days or, you know, but it's like, if, if we actually kept track, you probably aren't being shortchanged as much as you think you are. But we focus on these wrong things so much, it really starts to mess with people. But in reality, we're just upset with what God has put on our plate. We're upset with the race that we've been called to run. And you know what? You have no right to do that. God put you in the race he wanted you to run. You need to run it with patience. Uh, so-and-so's track looks better. Well, you know what? That's the track God gave them. If you run the course that God gave you, you'll get, you'll get the crown of righteousness just like they'll get a crown of righteousness that God gave them. God's going to make everything right in the end. Just, just trust him. If you're right, if you're right that you're getting shortchanged and you're not getting any breaks and you're not getting any blessings here in this earth, if you're right, and you're probably not, but if you're right in how you think things should be measured, then just understand you're going to be well taken care of in the millennium for a thousand years. What do you think is more important? 80 years here or a thousand years in the future? But unfortunately, people get sidetracked with these things. We are just more concerned about our will than God's will. And that's why people get bent out of shape. You know, there's a lot of pastors who get bent out of shape, who get discontent with their ministries because they're constantly comparing it to someone else's. But let me tell you, there's always going to be somebody's church that's bigger than your church. There's always going to be somebody who's got something more going for them than for some other church. Whatever it is, there's always going to be a church out there that has a better music program. Than we have. There's always going to be a church out there that's got better soul winning, a better soul winning program than we have. There's always going to be another church out there that's got a better pastor than what you have. There's always going to be somebody out there that's outdoing us. At the end of the day, that's not our problem. We don't need to worry about that. This is where God has placed us. This is our church. This is the course that we have been put on. You know what we need to do? We need to run it. And if we're going to go looking at everybody else, getting, you know, discontent, that's wrong. And I'm telling you, this is one of the main reasons we get in other people's business. We are not content or satisfied with our own business. I don't like the things that are going on in my life. I don't like the junk, you know, the things that I have to put up with in this church. I want to go to a church where I don't have to put up with anything. And you know, that doesn't exist. And let me tell you, too, everybody takes their problems with them to the next church. 
Everybody, everybody does. You're going to take your problems with you in the next church. It's just a universal fact. And so another reason people get in other people's business is we have misguided priorities. This is why we carry the weight of other people's problems. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know, Martha, when she was doing all that work in the kitchen, she thought this is the most important thing. And man, let me tell you, I appreciate people who when they have a ministry, when they have something they do in the church, that it's important to them, that they take it serious, that they give it their all. But let me tell you, you cancel out every bit of good you do when all of a sudden you make your ministry and your priority everyone in the church's ministry and priority. You, you, cancel, you cancel out any rewards you're going to get. You know, I'm glad that you're working in this one area, but you know what? If it's just making you critical towards everyone else, if it's causing you to have a bad spirit towards everyone else, you know what? Just don't do it. Did you know most work people, you know, most work that people do in the church, you know, it, while it, it's all a blessing, if it comes with drama, I would rather just do it myself. I'll tell you that right now. We've told the story before about how, uh, you know, we had a ton of drama over punch one time. Over punch. You know, I, I had to tell the husband. I said, listen, I like punch. I'm thankful for punch. But I said, I'd rather have a Christmas dinner where we all drink water and have no drama than a Christmas dinner where we drink punch, but we got to deal with drama. It's not worth it. But some people, they do, they thrive on drama. And it's just like, all right, this is my ministry. I got to make the whole focal point of the church about the punch. I'd rather not have punch. When I used to do VBS at, my, at our last church, you know, we had some individuals that they, you know, we gave them control over certain parts of the VBS. And that always, they did they took it serious, but they took it so they wanted all the attention on that. They wanted every bit of the financial budget to go towards that one thing. It's like, hey, there's other things going on. This actually isn't what I would consider one of the more important things. In fact, we can actually do without this. I like having it, but we don't have to have it. But it was like with this person, everybody need to be focused on that. They tried to recruit like all the help to work in this one area. It's like, no, we need help in these other areas too. It's just everything was about them. And it was... It drove me nuts. And so one, one year, I was just like, you know, I'm not putting up with it this year. And so I did. I just told them, we're not doing it this year. And they had a meltdown. You know? But you know what? We didn't have any drama. We, we didn't have that one thing, but it wasn't worth it. It really wasn't. And, you know, and so Martha, she's thinking, you know, I'm, I'm cooking the food. Hey, and ladies, cooking the food's important. But, you know, in this situation, Jesus is there speaking. Jesus is there teaching. And Mary, she actually did something better where she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, Martha saw that and thought that was lazy. But you know what? Mary's actually getting something that's going to last. Mary's actually doing what was more needful. Mary's doing what, something that was more important. And Martha, instead of just doing her thing, 
What does she do? She starts running her mouth to Jesus, tattling about Mary. And guess what? She gets rebuked by Jesus. I think Jesus would have left her alone if she had just kept doing her thing, if she had stayed in her lane. Because Mary was doing what Mary needed to do. What was important for her. And, and, and the truth is, when it comes to things in the church, when it comes to things in other people's lives, there's often a lot going on that we don't see. There's often, uh, and, and our personal needs and priorities, they might not be the same as someone else's. So, you know, so Martha thinks the food's the most important thing. Yeah, but Jesus thinks learning from Him's the most important thing. And, you know, we, we all have different opinions on that. You know, Martha said, I think Martha would have been fine if she had just done her thing, not worried about Mary. She was doing a good work too. But it turned out, Mary's, what Mary was doing was actually more important. And again, it may have just been what was best for Mary to be doing for herself. Because you see, too, sometimes we're not in a position to help. You understand that? Sometimes, you know, we do. We might have things going on where we're not in a position where we're able to help in an area where help could be used. And we need to understand that it's important that we do what's best for us in our situation, in our race. And if you are, if you're running your race, working in the kitchen, if you're running your race, uh, your race, sweeping the floors, if you're running your race, singing in the choir, don't worry about other people's race. Don't worry about what they're doing. You stay focused on what God has given you and other, what other people are doing or what other people are not doing, it's not your problem. So don't burden yourself with it. Another reason, too, we get in other people's business, we just have incomplete information on other people's lives. Do you know we don't know everything about everybody's lives? We think we do, but we don't. But what does it say in Romans 14, verse 3? It says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he should be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it to the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he, uh, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So understand, there are you know, we're not in any position to judge another man's servants. We are not in another. We're not in a position to judge God's servants. We don't understand everything that's going on. There's a lot of situations that we don't understand. We don't know what's going on. And did you know nobody's required to let you know? Nobody. We're not required to let you know what all is going on. We don't understand some of the challenges people are facing sometimes. You know, I get it. Sometimes people might not be at church when we think they should be at church. But, you know, there might be stuff going on you don't realize. So before you go and stress yourself out and you obsess over where they are, you know, just understand, hey, maybe there's something going on. And, you know, maybe they don't want to talk about it. Maybe they're embarrassed by it. You know, at the end of the day, who, who, is, who have we hired to be church attendance police here? I don't think we've elected that. Jason, put your hand in. Nobody elected you to that position. Jason's volunteering <laughs> over there. But, you know, we don't have that role. We're, we're, not, we're not going to do that. 
You know, I have people come to me sometimes too as the pastor and I don't know if they're asking or tattling. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you know where's so-and-so been? You know, what's going on here? You know, you know, are you familiar with this? It's like, you know, are you looking for information or are you tattling? And at the end of the day too, you know, what am I supposed to do? And let me tell you something. As somebody who grew up in a pastor's home, as somebody who has been pastoring now for over 11 years, trust me, I am not like the authoritarian type. I don't like confronting people. I don't like dealing with problems. I will do it. I will do what I have to do as a pastor. But I'm not going to do stuff I don't have to do. And so trust me, when it comes to what I'm supposed to deal with, what I'm not supposed to deal with, I've paid very close attention to what those things are. And if it's not my problem, it is not my problem. i got enough stuff to deal with. I've got a wife. I've got eight kids. I'm passing this church. If there's junk that needs to be dealt with that's not my responsibility, I ain't messing with it. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to mess with it. And I, the last thing I want to do is get in people's business where, when it's not my business. I'm, I'm not going to do it. But a lot of people, they do. They think pastor is you know, like some, supposed to be some crazy dictator that spies on their church members. And it's just like, no, I, I don't do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. And stop trying to help. Stop trying to be my Gestapo. I, 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 don't, need, I don't need a Gestapo here at the church. But you know, we, don't, we often don't realize, too, with people where they came from and, or where they're heading. Because that's another thing, too. Sometimes people are in a pretty bad place when they're in a church. But if they're going in the right direction... The last thing we want to do is get all over their case and give them grief. You know, and, and many times people don't know what's going on. Listen, if, when somebody visits our church and, you know, and I get to know them, a lot of times I find out stuff and find out things they're dealing with. You know what I don't do? And hopefully this will comfort everybody. I don't go tell everybody in the church all their problems. I don't. And some, and some people, some people are just natural unloaders where it's like, they want to tell you all their problems, you know, because and a lot of times it's because they're looking for help and stuff. You know, you do. You have the people. They don't want to tell anybody their problems, you know, and hey, I'm not going to put I'm not going to put you under a light and give you the third degree. But then you have other people. They are their sharers. And I, I've done that before. We've had people visit. I'll go over their house and visit with them, you know, try to find out you know, about their testimony and things and answer any questions about the church. And then they just start telling me all the challenges they're dealing with in their life. And I'm just like, good night. Do we even want these people to come to our church? You know, and, you know, and you know, usually it's not anything that would keep them out of the church. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for help. And you know what? When that happens, I want to help people. But then, and this, and this isn't happening, but you know, it would be awful if we do. If we have these people that are, they are, they're desperate for help. They're looking for help. They've shared with me all these problems they're having. And, you know, and when you do, when you spend time with people, when you work with people, when you counsel with people, and you, and you do all these things trying to help, I mean, you become invested in that person at that point, and you do. You want them to succeed. You want them to make it. But then, a lot of times, you have somebody else in the church, they've put nothing into that person. They've not prayed for them. They don't care about them. They don't know them. They hardly even know their name. But that person comes, and maybe they smell a little funny or something, and that gives them discomfort. And, you know, if those people have more character, they take a shower. You know, they do this, they do that. And then, you know, you go and you give them grief, and you run them off from the church, make them feel unwelcome. Listen... It's a character flaw when you have B.O. But just understand, you know what? That, that's annoying when you have to smell people, but you know what? We should deal with it. 
we should put up with it. You know, we've, we've, got a, we've still got room in this auditorium. You know, we can spread out and not sit close to them. We can be like the lady that used to uh, go to church with, used to pass gas in church. Uh, she, I don't know why, but there was, there, there was, they always sat, you know, we had two rows. They always sat on the edge and there was like an invisible emptiness in a semicircle around them because everybody knew not to sit too close to her. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it was bad because visitors would always end up sitting there because that was always the open area. And then, you know, and then we'd have to, it's like, oh man, you know, I hope she's got everything under control tonight. You said, that's ah, terrible doing that in church. You know, sometimes people have weird health things. Sometimes people are a little weird. We got to put up with that stuff, folks. Okay. Do we want to run people off in the church because they smell a little funny and things like that? A bunch of Pharisees. All right. It's, <laughs> I don't think that's right. I don't think we need, oh, maybe we should. So, and again, so, so some people, they're not 100% there, okay? It'd be, you know, like I said, if, you know, if, if my daughter Abby was sitting there doing that in service, you know, she knows better, you know, we should be able to talk to her and say, Abby, <laughs> you know. It, but, you know, there are, there's some people, you know how it is. I'm not trying to be mean, but there are. They're just not 100% there. And they have issues. You know, we, we got to love these people. But... You know, we, we don't need to get to the bottom of what's going on with people. It's not our place. And did you know that you're still a hardcore Christian if you just love people anyway? Did you know you're a hardcore Christian if you're nice to people who don't have standards like they should? If they don't do everything the way they should? You're still a good hardcore Christian. You still have your IFB credentials. You know, some people, they, just, they don't have enough going on in their own life. That's why they get in other people's business. That's why they get sidetracked. That's a weight. That's a burden. I'm I'm nice to people. I've never slapped anybody that's come to me with a problem. Never. And I I never will. But I have have had people burdened and just in, in turmoil over problems in someone else's life that has absolutely nothing to do with them. And it's not even like to, again, sometimes we do, we feel sorry for people. We're hurting for people. But it's like some of these things, it's just like, no, you mean you're upset because you found out these people were watching movies that you don't think they should watch? Why are you worried about that? Why are you coming to me? And I know why they're coming to me with this because they're hoping I'll preach a sermon and really nail their hides to the wall. That's why they're, that's why they're telling me about it. But it's, just, it's not your problem. But First Timothy 5.13, talking about you know, women, it says, with all they learn to be idle, wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. Why are they doing this? Because they're idle. Okay? They, when they don't have children, when they don't have husbands, they learn to be idle. So his solution is, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. What was the, what was the problem? They were idle. When you get idle, when you don't have enough going on in your life, you are going to get in other people's business. And I'm telling you right now, you know, I got too much going on in my life to just get deeply invested and involved in other people's problems when they're, when they are not mine. So when you have too much time in your hands, it's easy to give yourself over to the things of the flesh. And did you know that gossip and drama are of the flesh? There's something that people love to get involved with. There's just something thrilling to people about just going and bringing news to people that they didn't know about somebody. 
say, that's terrible. I know, but it's part of our flesh. And it's wrong. Some people too. And this, you know, some, so some people do. They just, they love the thrill of just going and having that prayer meeting for that person in the church. You know, they, that, that's always the excuse, pray for so-and-so. You know, when, whenever somebody comes to you and says, pray for so-and-so, you know, they're having this problem, that problem. That's gossip. Okay? That, that's gossip. You didn't need to know about it. And, you know, some people, too, are just wicked, and they want to see a good show. There are, there are some people that like to stir it up, but it's because they're just looking for a show. But let me tell you, it always comes back on them. The biggest gossips always end up having it come back on them. It's just the way it is. Proverbs 26:17 says, He that passeth by a meddleth with strife not belonging to him is like one that taketh the dog by the ears. 1 Peter 4:15 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Some things are just not yours. Did you know you get zero rewards for your trials that came from you getting other people's business? Because when trials come your way, you know, you, you can get rewards from those. But if your trial was you got in somebody else's business that was not yours, zero rewards. I don't care how many ulcers you got from it. I don't care how much it negatively affected you. I don't care how expensive the therapy sessions were to fix those problems. You get zero rewards. It was none of your business. And yet, these are the things people are upset about. And he said, if you're that person that everyone comes to with gossip, just understand it's because you ask for it. You ask for it. That's why. I never asked anybody to bring me gossip. Yes, you did. You, you asked for it when you gave them a listening ear. You asked for it when you continued to talk about it. You asked for it when you didn't shut them down. You asked for it when you didn't, like Proverbs 25, 23, where it says, The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. Okay, people only, they will only gossip to that person one time. No, because there's no thrill. There's no thrill for the person who, when they come to somebody with gossip, that person now thinks they're a terrible pile of garbage. There's no thrill in that. There's absolutely no thrill in that. And you know what you need to do? You need to make people feel like a pile of garbage when they come to you with gossip. When they come to you bringing problems that are not theirs. That are things that you are in no position to help. You are in no position to fix. We just need to admit, sometimes we are in no position to help. Well, we can pray. No. Listen, sometimes you knowing about things and just you spreading that information just makes it worse. There's always a way we can turn it around and try to make it sound spiritual. But you're not spiritual. You're not spiritual. These things are, they're just, they're not yours. And so there are, there are so many problems in our world today. If you want to concern yourself with something, you will always have something to stress out about. But the truth is, that is wrong for you to do that. And it is especially wrong when you're doing that in a church setting. It gets you off your game. You get other people off their game. And I promise, you can still be a good, zealous, hardcore Christian and mind your own business, and you're not a better Christian if you are burdened and weighted down with the problems of everyone else at Liberty Baptist Church. You're not a better Christian because of it. And then if I can just leave you with this final nugget of wisdom, if I may blow you up with this truth bomb, if I may you know, bequeath this vast wealth of knowledge and wisdom that will put you five steps ahead of the common man, if I can just do this right now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to say it. But this will help you greatly. This will help me greatly. And I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm, you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm trying to be a little self-serving right now. 
Because again, most of the dumb drama I deal with is people not minding their own stinking business. Trying to make my job easier. Well, here, here it is. Just because somebody annoys you, that does not mean they have done something to you. And see, and that's what, this is what makes us get in other people's business. This is what makes us try to fix problems that are not ours to fix. How would you feel if your car was making a weird noise and, you know, and, it was, it was, and then all of a sudden you just saw me out there working on your car? It's like, you know, it's, you, you, you're going to ask first. Yeah, but it, it's, it's making a squeaky noise. That's annoying. So it's now my problem. No, I think you can deal with the fact that my car does not run the way it should. It makes an annoying noise. You know, you just don't just, you don't just go fixing somebody else's car. That, that's, not, that's not how you do things. Okay, you know, guys, I mean, how would you feel, you know, if some other guy just like comes up to you, you know, during a church service and he like starts fixing your hair? And, you know, and maybe you had an alfalfa going on or, you know, something that looked bad. It's just like, you know, I can fix that. You know, I can take care of the bill. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a lot of what makes us get in other people's business is we are, it just, it's just stuff annoys us. Hey, take your halos off. We get annoyed, don't we? People's problems are annoying. You know, there, people's hairdos can be annoying. People's clothing choices can annoy us and they can be against our taste. People's personalities can be annoying. People can behave in ways that we don't really care for. Other people's kids might do things that we wouldn't let our kids do. And that stuff can bother us and annoy us. And we're really good at figuring out, you know, a Bible verse that shows where they're wrong. Okay, but here's the thing. Is it your problem to deal with? Is it really yours to fix? How would you feel if you saw me spanking your kid? <laughs> well, they need spanked. Yeah, that's not your, you can't do that. That is not your job to do these things. You know, how would you like it if you just saw me, you know, just chewing your wife out? And it's like, well, you know, why are you chewing her out? Because she nags you. And I don't think, and, and hey, women shouldn't nag their husbands. Okay? I mean, and what do you think would happen? I, I mean, what, what do you think would happen? You know, if, you know, uh, who, who wants to get picked on? I don't want to like look like I'm calling anybody's wife an ag. Who's volunteering? You don't even have a wife. <laughs> but, all right, well, I mean, but think about it. All right. If all of a sudden, if your wife was just a royal nag, do you really think it's going, you know, your day is going to be better when you get at home? If I just went up to her in church, like, you know, so-and-so told me about the way you were back talking him, the way you're not submitting to him. And you know what? You're, you're a Jezebel. You know, you're, the, you know, you're this, you're that, you know, and you know, your husband thinks you need to lose weight, but you know, you're not doing what you should. You know. All might be true, but how do you think things are going to go for that poor guy when he gets home? Everything I said was true and I had Bible to back it up. Yeah, but it was not your place. Not your place. Now, if you asked me to do that for your wife, I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> I still wouldn't do that. You know why? Because that's your place as a husband to, to do that. And good night. Me, and 
I might have been 100% right about everything I said, but because it was not my place, I just created a bunch of problems for you. And I'm telling you right now, we do. We think things are our problem because they annoy us. But that is why we have countless scriptures talking about us to forbear one another. We are supposed to put up with each other. We're supposed to be long-suffering. There's all these things that we have been called to be. And what we have today are people, they want to go to a church where just everybody conforms to their will. It's like where they can control everybody with their mind. And they do try to control people through their words and through the things that they say and just rumors they get going out in the gossip and things that go on. And it, folks, it causes a lot of problems. And at the end of the day, you're not even supposed to be worrying about these things. And so again, if, if stuff annoys you, it annoys you. You know, there, there's things that annoy me. There are clothing styles that irritate me. There are hairdos that are annoying. There are phrases. There are expressions. We, we, we all get annoyed by different things. We all have our pet peeves and, and people are going to do these things. And the last, do you want me as a pastor? I'm the pastor. Do you want me to just get up as a pastor, just preach about my pet peeves all the time and just trying to change everybody's personalities and just make you all where you're just like me? You know, so I don't have to have anything annoying going on and i am trying to make you know so make my job easier but it is i'm trying to make my job easier by removing a burden from you and i'm telling you mind your own business stay in your lane don't carry around that weight if if kyle does if kyle just has major character flaws and issues that are going to lead him to a life of poverty and drunkenness and everything you know just just understand that you might be able to see his future but at, at the end of the day when does it become your problem that's what we need to be asking ourselves and most of the time we're like if when we look at these things like no this is not my problem this is not my problem and once, once you get a hold of that your life's going to get a whole lot easier you're going to have and you're going to actually start to be able to work on your problems. I'd rather work on other people's problems than my own, right? That's how we are. But you know what? Let's work on our own problems and God will bless you. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the wisdom that we can find in your word. And I pray you'll help us all to put these things into practice. Help us to stay focused on our race that you've set before us. You've got, you've got a course that you want all of us to finish. And I pray, Lord, that we will look unto you, the author and finisher of our faith, and we'll stop getting sidetracked by everything that's going on around us and that we will uh, be able to finish our course with joy. In your name we pray. Amen.